The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 241 of the podcast. Or you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube. Today's Monday, May 17th. Day late again this week. But, you know, still a week in between episodes. So, what are you complaining about? Um, my fault this week. I... Um, I made a family weekend again this weekend. Uh, went to Orlando with the the wife and the kiddo, and and my in laws, and went to Disney World. Did a a couple of the parks there. It was interesting because we saw the transition of masks required in Disney versus masks not required in Disney. So we went on Friday. What's up, Mark? We went on Friday to Magic Kingdom, and uh, masks were required. Then Saturday, we just kind of hung out uh, at the hotel. And then yesterday, we went to Epcot. And between Friday and yesterday, Disney decided no more masks mandatory uh, when you're outdoors. It was weird. It was a, it was a weird experience because... Uh, you guys, if you're a long-time listener of the show, you guys probably know that uh, the fam and I have uh, annual passes for Disney. So we've gone, you know, several times since. Uh, what's up, Travis? We've we've gone several times since the pandemic, and it's always been you have to wear a mask at all times unless you're sitting still, actively eating or drinking. Uh, you know, so it, it's Florida. It's hot. It's uncomfortable wearing the masks, but. You know that's the policy, so we do it. It's it's a little tough to get a three year old to understand that, and and to wear a mask all day, especially like going on rides and stuff. It's uncomfortable for her, but you know that's what we got to do. So we do it. Um, so it was interesting being there, um, the day after they changed the policy. So we're at Magic Kingdom Friday. We're wearing masks the entire day, whole deal, and it's kind of routine at this point. And then. Uh, Sunday we go to Epcot and you don't have to wear the mask outside. You have to put it on like if you go into one of the food kiosks or if you go on a ride or something, you got to wear it the whole time. Um, at this point, it's like, uh, you know, I think the people who are most concerned about the virus have been vaccinated. Um, and I guess, you know, people, if they haven't gotten vaccinated at this point, they are either you know, just still keeping their distance from people or they're not worried about getting it. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I feel like uh, Disney was was always on the more conservative side with all of this. So to see them go lax with the mask policy was kind of like a big eye-opener for me. It was kind of like, it was a surreal experience too, because like I said, we've gone a, a few times during the pandemic. It's it's pretty close drive for us. It's like an hour and a half. So we, we usually go over there and, you know, we'll either stay for the weekend or just go for the day and come home, especially because you're outside, you're, you're wearing masks and they do a good job, like keeping people distance. So you always felt like pretty safe there. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, it's weird, man, because now there's all companies making statements about what their mask policy is going to be going forward. Like, I don't know. Costco, for example, says you don't have to wear masks anymore if you're vaccinated. Um, and that goes on the honor system. But like Home Depot is like, no way we're sticking with the masks. And it's like, <laughs> of course, there's people outraged at at both. You know, how could they get rid of the mask policy? And how could they still require masks? Just, you know, outrage on both ends of the spectrum. And as usual, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm like, all right, we got to wear a mask here, but not here. Uh, I'll keep one in my pocket. 
and uh, <laughs> let's just do whatever you want to do. Let's just do it. Just to, the the path of least resistance, the least amount of confrontation. That's what I like, which is funny because people are always surprised. Yeah, I'm, everybody knows I'm so into mixed martial arts and stuff, and people are always so, so surprised to hear that I hate confrontation. I guess because in my head, it like I already jump ahead to like this is gonna lead to a fight, and I don't want to get in a fight because I've been learning how to fight long enough that uh, <laughs> to know that I don't ever want to get in a fight. <laughs> in any case, that's neither here nor there. Cheers, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, let me say this right off the top because I always forget until the end. If you want to grab some MMA on the Rocks gear, T-shirts and hoodies and tank tops, stuff like that, that say over the top under the influence, you can do so through our friends at Team Reaper. Website is reaper1.co. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. That's M-M-A-R-O-C-K-S-1-0. Save yourself 10% on your order. You don't have to order my t-shirt you can go on there and support a fighter from ufc fighters all the way down to regional fighters uh you know everybody says that fighters should get paid more so you know do something about it put some put some cash in a fighter's pocket by buying a (laughs) t-shirt and right here i'll display uh, a comment from my buddy mark fellows all the way on the other side of the globe the hoodies are super soft and tremendous quality thank you for adding to my plug here mark i do appreciate that um yeah the 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 hoodies are super nice i i definitely don't need a hoodie at this point in the year because it's may in florida it's pretty much 90 degrees every day but um you know if you guys live somewhere where it's still a little chilly it's still hoodie weather uh go grab yourselves a hoodie mma on the rocks or otherwise you know they're all the same quality so if you want to get somebody else's hoodie, I won't be offended. Just use my promo code, MMARocks10. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about some violence, shall we? So I was watching this card um, at the hotel we were staying at, uh, you know, in between dealing with a, a hyperactive toddler who was excited about Disney World uh, and stuff like that, which is fun. It's really cool to see, you know, my daughter's three now. It's cool to start to, to see her, like, start to recognize rides at Disney and get excited about them and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, it's exhausting. It's, it's really exhausting. I always say, like, two hours of sparring is the equivalent of, like, ten minutes of being a toddler parent. <laughs> and that's no exaggeration. Like, it's actually easier to get punched and kicked in the face um, than it is, you know, raising a, a toddler. But that's why it's so much more rewarding being a parent than it is being, you know, whatever it is I am in the gym. Wouldn't really call myself a fighter anymore. I do, you know, I participate, but I'm not really part. I'm not like, I wouldn't consider myself the same as a Charles Oliveira or a Michael Chandler. What a main event, man. Um, this was such an exciting fight. And when I was breaking this fight down last week, I was thinking about, you know, like, what are Charles Oliveira's paths to victory? And I thought it would be like throwing reckless strikes uh, at Chandler because he's not worried about being taken down and and maybe landing something there or just you know, outpointing him throughout the course of the fight because I knew Chandler would get in his face. I knew Chandler hit harder. Um, I, I knew Chandler would be hard to take down, which Oliveira got him down, which that, that was amazing. And then the grappling exchange was so good. Oliveira got to Chandler's back, and he was lifting the leg up in the air. And for those who have never seen Michael Chandler uh, fight before he's so good at escaping the back and and just turning into you and turning into your guard he's so explosive there like nobody can stay on this guy's back and and maintain that position I've never seen it before um he, he's just so explosive he's so good at getting back to his feet too um I gave the first round to Chandler but it seemed like 
he really expended a lot of energy because it's a lot of short bursts. It was a lot of explosive movements from Chandler in that first round. Um, so he was breathing heavy going into that second round. And then Oliveira, man, he just he pressured Chandler right back, which is exactly what he needed to do because if he started backing up to Michael Chandler, he would have spent five rounds backing up uh, until he got knocked out. That's how the fight would have gone. So he pressured right back. He shelled up and, and was counter-striking beautifully. He stayed right in the pocket. He missed with the right, and then he came back with the left hook. And everything was so tight. Um, a, a lot of you guys know I, I teach uh, intro Muay Thai, and you, you know I, I deal with a lot of beginners. And, and it's one of the things that you try and reiterate constantly when you throw punches is is throw it straight out and bring it right back to your face and if you look at the slow motion of the combination that Charles Oliveira threw to finish this fight you know he brings a right hand right back to his face he moves his head off the center line and he throws that left hook so tight so perfect and it was really the precision of it that put Chandler down um and you could see he he doesn't take his eyes off his target, even though he's got Chandler throwing bombs in his face. Um, and that's exactly what he needed to do to win this fight because a lot of times, you know, Michael Chandler talked about it a lot in the lead-up to this fight. People feel his presence in there. They feel his power, and they don't want anything to do with it. And then they get frustrated because they know they can't take him down. Um, nobody gave Charles Oliveira this memo because... One, Olivero's not worried about being taken down. He's got the most submissions in UFC history. Uh, so he doesn't care if he gets taken down. And then he was able to get Michael Chandler down. So, you know, if he started, you know, getting the worst of it on the feet, he knew, like, you know, there's a chance I can get this guy to the ground. Uh, so that must have been a huge confidence booster for him. Uh, the finish was beautiful. Uh, it was a great fight by Chandler. This was just an awesome main event. Now we have a new lightweight champion, Charles Oliveira. 28 fights in the UFC. Uh, this guy has come such a long way. It was so awesome to see him you know, get that belt put around his waist. And I, I'm a fan of both of these guys. You know, it's not... Um, I, I, I very rarely will root for or against somebody. I just, you know, I love to see a good fight. And this was a great fight. Um, all around. Uh, it, it had everything you could want. You know, it had big strikes. It had technical striking. It had grappling exchanges, high-level grappling exchanges. It had explosiveness. Uh, it had a finish. Uh, you know, you can't script a better main event than that. And that's what we got here at UFC 262 between these two guys uh, fighting for the title that could be vacated Uh I don't know, 10 months ago, 11 months ago, whatever it was. I think it was I think it was October of last year that he fought Gaethje and then retired. And then, you know, Dana was trying to convince him to come back and that whole mess for a while. Uh, sipping on some Heaven Hill um, bourbon here. Seven year. Uh, bonded, which means... It has to be aged for a minimum of four years. Uh, this was aged for seven years, 100 proof. Bonded bourbon has to be um, bottled at 100 proof by law. And uh, it's quite delicious. One of my top five favorite bourbons, in case you guys were curious as to uh, what I was sipping on at 11 p.m. Eastern on a Monday night. <laughs> Matt Temple says, fight of the year, can't wait for the rematch. I'm with you on that one. Uh, I would rather see a rematch between Chandler and Oliveira than see Oliveira fight the winner of Poirier-McGregor. I just feel like it's a better fight any way you want to do it. Um, I, I just think it's like it's weird now because we had like such an amazing title fight and then, you know, the McGregor... Poirier fight is supposedly like the bigger money fight, but you know, why isn't the best fighter in the world getting the biggest payday? So does it kind of devalue the title a little bit? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much value the title had on it to begin with. You know, when Poirier was offered the title, he said no, he'd rather 
fight Connor for the payday. So that kind of that took a little wind out of the sails of that fight for me. Um, but I know for the average person who doesn't watch MMA every week, like I do, and like you guys probably do, I imagine very few of you tune into the show just to get the recaps. Like most of you probably also watched all the fights. Um, uh, let's see. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. I think, um, you know, obviously they're not going to rematch this right away since it was a finish. I would love to see Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje. I think that fight makes sense. They're both coming off of losses. Um, so, you know, why not do that? Wait, is Gaethje coming off of a loss? Somebody feel free to correct me on that. My timeline's all mixed up here. Anyway, Charles Oliveira, new lightweight champion. Awesome fight. His striking looks so good. He's come such a long way uh, since he started in the UFC. You know, those early fights against uh, Jim Miller, Cowboy Cerrone. Um, you know, he, he struggled in the striking a little bit. And then it got to be like people realized how good his submissions were. And he, he was able to throw a little wilder without worrying about being taken down. Uh, and that worked with for him for a while. But now his striking is so crisp. It's so good. Um, you know, this is this is the best active lightweight out there right now. Uh, you know, there's an argument for Dustin Poirier, but uh, when given the opportunity to step up and take that title, he said no. So, you know, the belt is on its rightful owner right now in Charles Oliveira. Uh, co-main event, Benil Dariush, one-sided victory over Tony Ferguson. So Tony Ferguson has now lost, I don't know, 13 rounds in a row, 12 rounds in a row. You know, there was the, the Gaethje loss, and then Oliveira beat the hell out of him, and now Dariush. Um, it was understandable because, you know, he had... I think the best winning streak in, in lightweight history outside of Khabib, uh, you know, 12 wins in a row, 11 in a row, 13 in a row, whatever it was. And then, you know, he lost to Justin Gaethje. Uh, that was the last, last minute, last uh, late notice fight. Um, took a lot of damage in that fight, you know, got TKO'd standing. Uh, that was understandable. And, you know, Gaethje would go on to fight for the title. Uh, and then, you know, lost to Oliveira, who is now the champ. We know how good he is. So it's like, all right, he lost two in a row, but he lost to two guys who just fought for the title within the last year. Now he gets dominated by Benil Dariush, and you start to wonder, like, is 37 too old? You know, for lightweight, it probably is. Uh, he seems to have lost a step. To me, it seemed like he was trying to force a lot of things. Like he was trying to force that teep, that front kick, when it wasn't really there. Um, his timing was off. Uh, he, he kept going for that Darce choke off his back instead of trying to get back up to his feet uh, against a guy in Darius who's an elite-level grappler. Um, you know, you'll catch... You know, you'll catch anybody, like, new black belt and below, you'll catch with that Tars choke probably. But anybody who's been a black belt for a few years and who, who has grappled, like, on an international scale, you're not getting that. And then I just didn't see that urgency from Tony. Like, he had to know he was losing this fight. And, you know, his corner kind of kept telling him, Oh, he just doesn't want to stand with you. It's like, well, yeah, because he's beating the shit out of you on the ground. <laughs> Why would he want to stand with you? Um, so that's just like not the mentality. Like if he doesn't want to stand with you, like get back up. Don't, you know, lay on your back and, and try to hold on for these desperation chokes. Um, and then that heel hook, that inverted heel hook that Darius had, I think it was in the second round. And he said he heard and felt Tony's leg pop. 
uh, that's insane level toughness. Uh, for those of you who have never been put in a heel hook or who don't train in grappling, it's a type of thing where they say, like, you don't feel it until it's too late. Obviously, Tony felt it because he yelled out in pain. Benil said he felt it pop. He heard it pop. He's going to have some long-term damage in that knee. Um, and it really is the type of thing you think, like, oh, I'm, I'm not in trouble from this. And then uh, you feel it, like, basically when something's tearing in your knee is when you feel that inverted heel, heel hook. It's a very dangerous move. Um, it's not allowed in a lot of grappling competitions. Uh, I, I think it's allowed in only like one or two of them in a gi, uh, cause you have that extra friction from the gi, um, to make it even tighter and put more torque on the leg. So this is back to back fights where Tony, like, first of all, three fights in a little row where he took a lot of damage and then back to back fights where he basically should have tapped out and didn't you know there was the arm bar from Oliveira in that last fight where something popped in his arm like something's wrong with his elbow now like there's some there's some cartilage torn to shit in there or something and then that heel hook man that was that was hard to watch I was I was tapping just watching it I was like I I was like I would have tapped right there and there and there and I would still be tapping now, uh, but you know Tony just screamed and then started kicking Benil in the hands and was able to get loose and then had to go into the third round basically on one leg. Um, next level toughness, but man, I mean toughness is, will only take you so far. Like at this point, especially in a division as stacked as this, it doesn't seem like Tony's gonna make it to that title shot you know i i just i i don't see a path to it for him now granted you know anything could happen he could take you know he could fill in a last minute for like a number one contender fight and and win and then you know be right back in it but yeah it's not looking good uh what is looking good is what i talked about last week where if cowboy moves back to uh, 155 and they could do that rematch and uh between tony ferguson and cowboy and then you know winner retires loser retires sort of thing um it looks like cowboy's only looking to have one more it, it's looking like tony may only be allowed to have one more um the way it's going you know it's it's a sad thing because and it, I realize, like, now that I'm basically all the way through breaking down this fight, I realize I'm guilty of it, too. It's a bad thing when a guy wins a fight, like a Benil Dariush, and all anybody is talking about is what Tony Ferguson looked like because he's the older fighter, and he's lost a few in a row, and, like, should he still be doing this? And that's the conversation instead of, like, you know, Benil Dariush doing what he had to do to get a win over a legend like Tony Ferguson in a co-main event on a pay-per-view uh, when he's on a hell of a winning streak too. And, um, you know, Darius is probably like another fight away possibly from fighting for a title, um, depending on, you know, how everything shakes out with Connor and Poirier and, you know, everything else that needs to get sifted through at the top of this division. Don't forget Justin Gaethje's still around. Um Maybe we do Gaethje and, and Darius. You know, that would be a fun fight, too. I'd love to see that one. But, you know, and a lot of people having the same kind of conversation about Jacare after Saturday night as well. Uh, you know, start talking about should Jacare still be doing this instead of talking about, you know, how awesome Muniz looked. And I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, let me jump around a little bit. Rogerio Bontarine, uh, unanimous decision over Matt Schnell. Uh, Kalen Jukagian, uh, unanimous decision over Viviana Araujo. I think there was a little bit of controversy about this one, uh, just because Araujo came out so strong in that first round. She definitely won the first, 
Uh, the second round was close. Uh, you know, Caitlin started to step on the gas a little bit, and then Caitlin clearly won in the third round. Uh, you know, she was just outpointing Araujo at that point. Araujo seemed to get a little tired. You know, wasn't wasn't uh, landing as as hard or as often. I thought Caitlin did enough to win. Um, you know, was it like super clear? No, I I thought it would have been fine if the decision went the other way. I scored it for Caitlin. I could see the argument for Araujo. You know, it was close. It came down to how you scored that second round. Uh, and we saw some some pretty wacky judging earlier in the night. So I didn't really know what to think of it. The story of this fight leading up to it was Caitlin Chukagian's Twitter getting hacked uh, <laughs> during fight week. And I guess whoever hacked it decided to just follow a bunch of porn accounts and and like a bunch of porn tweets. Now, apparently, there's like, so th- th- there's all different kinds of stuff on Twitter. Apparently, there's like a group of people who go on Twitter to watch porn. And apparently, there's another group of people on Twitter. Now, I'm really bad at Twitter. I'm on there. I participate. I talk about fights. I, you know, I plug the podcast, stuff like that. But I'm not good at it. I'm not like I'm not like a must follow account on Twitter. I'm just kind of there. But apparently there's another group of people on Twitter who look at other people's accounts and look at the tweets that they're liking. And then when they come across something unusual, they share it to everybody else. So somebody went on to Kaylin Chukagian's Twitter page and was like, hey, I wonder what Kaylin Chukagian likes today. And they saw it was all porn videos. You know, she said she got hacked. And, you know, there were a lot of really funny jokes on the Internet. I took, you know, I took my stabs at it, too. I thought it was a lot of fun uh, that, you know, her account was hacked. And it like they decided to use that platform to highlight some porn accounts on Twitter. I think that's hilarious. And I thought her response to it was great too, because she was asked about it at the post-fight press conference. And she started to joke about it and say like, you like what you like. And, uh, but, but then said, you know, what we all kind of knew was the truth that she was hacked. And I, I just don't, I don't understand any of it. I don't understand the person who hacks a verified account to, like porn from it (laughs) and i don't understand the people who are looking at other people's accounts to see what they liked it's never occurred to me to to look at somebody's twitter page and say like i wonder what this person has liked recently because it's so brainless for me i open twitter you know that that's the place where i get a lot of my news a lot of the headlines you know a lot of the hot topics people are talking about that's how I found out about this whole situation. But I, I don't get in depth with it. I don't look at people's profiles and like research their past tweets and see what they've liked recently and and all of this. So this all, I know I'm sounding really old right now, guys. I, I need to have a drink. I am. I'm old. I'm a year younger than... Uh, Tony Ferguson, a few years younger than Jacare. Um, so, you know, we're all getting up there. It happens. But, yeah, I don't understand the whole uh, Twitter culture thing. I'm really bad at Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, by the way, at MMA on the Rocks. Follow Jeff, too. I didn't know if Jeff was going to make it tonight or not. I sent him the link to join the show at Animal underscore Wilson. Uh, but, obviously, he's not going to be here. Probably should have said that at the start, in case you guys were sticking around because you were getting your hopes up. You're going to get to hear the animal probably next week. We'll get him back. Edson Barbosa and Shane Burgos. Obviously, everybody was talking about the finish. I thought this was an awesome fight. You know, two guys who love to stand up. Uh, you know, Shane Burgos has awesome boxing. His hands are so crisp. He, he was landing that jab. 
He was landing some big shots on, on Barbosa. He was working the body quite a bit. You know, a lot of people thought this was really one-sided uh, beating by uh, Barbosa. But, you know, Burgos was in this fight. Make no mistake, he was in it. And then, of course, to finish what everybody was talking about, Barbosa lands a clean one-two. And, uh, you know, Burgos pauses for a good few seconds, like a good three Mississippi. And then stumbles back uh, and falls down on the cage. It was a scary thing to see. Obviously, super rare that something like that happens. And, you know, we've seen similar things before. Like, we've seen Justin Gaethje unconscious and still throwing punches with, like, good technique. It's like when you cut the head off a chicken and they still run around for 10 seconds. It's like there's muscle memory. The body kind of remembers what to do, but the brain is just shut off. And that's what happened with Shane Burgos. He took those shots. It looked like he ate them. And then his body realized that the brain was not attached anymore. And, and it just gave out on him. And it was a scary thing to see. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's not something you see very often. And, and it's really concerning. You know, we don't really know that much about what happens with the brain after something like that. You know, will he be the same after this? You know, he could be fine. Could be fine, like, he could be ready to get hit in the head again tomorrow. You know, everybody's different. But probably not. You know, it's probably going to be a long road back uh, from that one. I... I imagine he's going to get a hefty suspension uh, from the athletic commission for recovery time. Probably 90 days at least with no contact. I mean, he's not supposed to spar or anything like that for 90 days. Um, and, And what can you say about Barbosa, man? Just one of the most technical, powerful strikers, uh, ever. I mean, the, the the guy's amazing. He he almost caught he almost caught Burgos with with one of those wheel kicks uh, that he knocked out Terry Edom with. And uh, you know he's in a, he's in a weird spot right now because that's two wins in a row. But before that, three losses. Two of them were split decisions. To uh, Danny Gay and Paul Felder, and then he was knocked out by Justin Gaethje. Um, but now he's back at 145 pounds and he looks good. Um, 35 years old though. So how long, you know, can he continue cutting down to 145? But, you know, he's got a lot of momentum right now. So I don't know. It's a, it's a small window for Barbosa to get to a title and 145 pounds, but you never know. Um, I, I think Barbosa and and Korean Zabi would be a really fun fight. That would be an awesome one. There's a, there's fun matchups, you know. Barbosa and Max Holloway, at some point, who wouldn't want to see that? A lot of fun fights for Barbosa. Great performance. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope that Burgos is okay. Because that was scary, man. Um, the other thing that was scary was seeing Jacare's arm get snapped in half by Andre Muniz. Um, Muniz, man, looked good in this. And I I want to stick with that. I want to stick with how good he looked. He pressured Jacare. He did exactly what he needed to do. Um, and then the finish. So what happened here was... Jacare's arm kind of got stuck under Muniz and then a lot of Muniz's body weight was on top of the arm. So that's what contributed to the break. And the referee did a great job here. Jacob Montalvo did a great job of recognizing that, you know, Jacare's arm was broken. And then once that happens, once you lose the limb, you know, it's their responsibility to stop the fight. It's not like they let you keep fighting when they know you only have one arm to defend yourself with. Uh, 
man, I, somebody made a lot of money if they picked Muniz by submission uh, because I I probably would have picked anybody else on the card to lose by submission. If you told me there was one submission victory on this whole card, Jacare is actually the last person I would have picked. Yeah, and Charles Oliveira was on this card, the, one, the, the guy with the most submission victories in UFC history. But he has been submitted before. So... Jacare would actually have been the last person I would have picked out of all, what was it, 24 people on this card? 12 fights, 24 people? Sounds about right. Uh, Yeah, credit to Muniz, man. And this is, you know, Jacare coming off that knockout loss to Kevin Holland. Now he gets his arm broken. That's going to be a long time healing. I think he's, you know, 43 years old. You know, we just saw Chris Wyman a few weeks ago. We'll get his leg broken. I think the lesson here is, like, if you're close to 40 years old, do not fight at middleweight anymore because your skeleton's going to break. Like, <laughs> don't do this anymore. I mean, unless you're like Yoel Romero and you're just like a freak of nature. I'm going to feel so bad if Yoel Romero gets something broken in his Bellator fight. So, yeah. If you're in and around 40 years old, um, do not fight in the UFC anymore, please. We don't want to see any more broken bones. My buddy Ryan says that he wants to see the, the pay-per-view model go away. Uh, and implement an actual ranking system. Yeah. It would be nice in a perfect world. Um, you know, remember that the UFC imitates a lot of things from boxing. And uh, boxing was never about, you know, putting the two best fighters in there together. But think about, like, when Floyd Mayweather was on his big run. He never really fought a top five guy while they were actively in the top five. He always fought them like after they were kind of on the decline and not really ranked anymore. That's just the example that comes to mind. You know, boxing was always about putting on a show. Uh, UFC is kind of doing the same thing. It's just a little bit more obvious because, you know, the UFC belt is the most coveted belt. But the UFC is just an MMA promotion. Y you know, back in the day, you didn't know, you know, what promotion... Mike Tyson was fighting for what promotion Oscar De La Hoya or Floyd Mayweather was fighting for unless you were like really into following boxing you just knew there was a fight that night and there was a title on the line and this guy's gonna be the world champion when it's done um so yeah that's where that kind of comes from that but with the UFC since it's like pretty much all the best fighters are in the UFC I mean there's a lot of arguments for a lot of other things, but it's it's hard to prove because, you know, guys have come from other organizations and, and not done well in the UFC. Some have, um, but very few. And then, you know, there's other organizations, but the, the UFC champion is regarded as the world champion. So, you know, that's the organization that has the microscope over it all the time. So when they do things like pay fighters not fighting for a world championship more than the fighters fighting for a world championship, it's just a little bit more obvious. Um, all right, let's get through the rest of this card because I've been talking for 40 minutes and I'm running out of whiskey. Oh, wait. No, I'm not. Relax, folks. I had an emergency stash. Buffalo Trace right here arms reach so that was the glorious sound of me pouring myself another snifter here but seriously let's get through the rest of this card uh, Lando Venata and Mike Grundy this was the worst judging on the card it was a split decision which I could see it was a close fight but I thought Lando won um but one judge came at 30-27 for Mike Grundy, which means they scored 
all three rounds for Mike Grundy. Now, if you were going to give the fight to Mike, and you told me you scored the first two rounds for him, but you thought it was close. All right. I can handle that. I didn't see it that way. I scored, you know, two and three for Lando. But that's the only way. Like, Lando clearly won that third round. Like, if you're giving it to Mike Grundy, you have to acknowledge that he lost that third round. And I thought he lost two and three. Uh, I thought Lando looked good here. It was hard to hold down. You know, obviously Mike Grundy had the wrestling advantage here. And then Lando even took Mike Grundy down towards the end of the fight. I don't think even Mike Grundy saw that coming. You know, Grundy's a very accomplished wrestler. But, you know, Lando looked good. His striking was so smooth. He was landing a lot. But, you know, Grundy was landing some big shots too. You know, he was doing a lot of damage with the things that he did land. So a good win for Lando Venata. He looked good. Uh, this was his first fight, I believe, moving down to featherweight. Um, you know, he didn't gas. He, he got more energy as the fight went on. So that's a good sign uh, for his future at 145. And, and he looked awesome. Jordan Wright making quick work of Jamie Pickett. Uh, this guy, Jordan Wright, is, is going to be a problem, man. He's a, a little weird. Um you know, they call him the Beverly Hills Ninja. He's he's only got one loss on his record, and that was his last fight against Joaquin Buckley. Knocked out in 18 seconds of the second round. Um, but, you know, this was a good sign that he was able to bounce back quick from that. Uh, this guy, this, this kid, 29 years old, never been to a decision in his career in 13 fights. He's got seven knockouts, five submissions, and he's been knocked out once by Joaquin Buckley. A um, little bit of a serial killer vibe coming from this guy, the way he talks. Serial killer slash like Sage Northcut kind of vibes from him. Um, but yeah, good fight. Uh, Andrew Lee submits Antonina Shevchenko with a triangle arm bar. Priscilla Cachuera. TKO's Gina Mazzani, and uh, I believe this was like a come-from-behind TKO. It came at the end of the second round. I didn't see the whole fight, but from what I understand, Gina was winning majority of the fight and then kind of gassed out, and Priscilla knocked her out. If I have that wrong, feel free to correct me. Uh, I'll go back and watch it later in the week. Uh, Tucker Lutz, unanimous decision over Kevin Aguilar, and then Christos Giagos. With a technical submission that was a Brabo choke over Sean Soriano. Technical submission meaning the referee stopped it, so Sean didn't tap out. So I I guess that means he passed out. And that was just under a minute into the second round. So I definitely want to go back and watch that one. Great card. Great card. Um, awesome pay-per-view. You got a great main event. I don't know how the hell he did the bonuses for this. I don't even know who won them, so... I'm not going to talk about it. Let's take a look at next week. We have UFC Fight Night 188. So I will be around for this one. So we should be regular show next week back on Sunday, hopefully with Jeff. Uh, all right, fun little card here. Definitely have my sleeper pick already eyeballed here this is gonna be back at the apex so i believe no crowd everybody keeps talking about the difference between the crowd and the no crowd and how much it has an impact on the fights i don't see it because i don't watch the fights with the volume on as you guys know because i don't like to be influenced by the commentary not that you know i think the commentary is bad or they're not good at their jobs i just I don't want to be influenced by anybody else's opinions. I like to come to you guys with my own opinions, uh, which is why I hate even doing the podcast on a Monday night as opposed to like Sunday morning. Saturday night is ideal, but I'm usually falling asleep by the end of the card. And then Sunday morning is the next best case. But, you know, shit happens. Life happens. Sometimes you have kids and you got to take them to Disney World. That's the way it goes. All right. Um, so, main event, Rob Font, Cody Garbrandt. 
this is a fun fucking fight. These are two guys who like to slug it out on the feet. Pretty similar records. 18 and 4 for Rob Font, 12 and 3 for Cody Garbrandt. The only difference is that Cody Garbrandt has more five-round experience. I don't believe Rob Font has ever had a five-round fight. This is such a fun fight because these are two guys who bring it on the feet. They're both well-rounded. You know, they can both wrestle, they can both grapple. Um, they, they have all of that. Um, but, you know, they just prefer to stand and bang. You know, Cody Garbrandt, from what I understand, you know, I heard an interview with him on the Unfiltered podcast a while back. He had a rough go of it. You know, he had COVID. He had a staph infection in his knee that got worse, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And, uh, you know, he he's moved around a little bit. He left Team Alpha Male. He's had a lot of stuff going on. Um, but at the end of the day, this is just going to be a fun fight. You know, these are two guys who both like to throw hard. They'll both, you know, fight in a phone booth, so to speak. They'll get right in the pocket and just throw bombs at each other. Rob Font has very technical Muay Thai. Uh, A lot of people are not aware of that because they see what a great MMA striker he is, but he can actually fight like traditional Muay Thai very well. So that's a fun one. Uh, Zionan Yan against Carla Esparza in the co-main. This could be a title eliminator very well. Um, you know, the winner of this could probably go on to fight Rose, I would think. Um, you know, Esparza's got a few wins uh, strung together, and Jan 13-1. and one. So, you know, keep an eye on this one for a, a title eliminator here. Justin Taffa against uh, Jared Vandera. Um, it, it's weird because this is on the main card. Justin Taffa has six fights. He's four and two. But he's fun to watch. These are heavyweights, I believe. Uh, so, you know, anything could happen there. Uh, Felicia Spencer and Norma Dumont also on this main card. Then you got David Vorbach and Rolian Paivia. Not familiar with those guys. Not going to lie to you. Here's my sleeper pick. Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian. So Shabazian coming off that loss to Derek Brunson, first loss of his career, he just got schooled by the veteran. And Jack Hermanson, you know, this guy was supposed to be like he was going to take over the middleweight division. And all of a sudden he lost, got knocked out by Jared Cannonier. Then he submits Kelvin Gastelum in like a minute with a heel hook. Uh, and then he lost his last fight to Marvin Vittori. So Jack Hermanson backed against the wall. And Shabazian has to prove that, you know, he's the prodigy that he's been marketed to be. You know, uh, a lot of people were saying, like, he, he could go to be the, the youngest UFC champ or whatever. That's kind of out the window since the Derek Brunson fight. But not a lot of people talking about this fight. So... I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to say that's probably going to be your fight of the night right there. That's a really fun fight. Then we got Bill Algio coming off a win against uh, Ricardo Ramos. That's a really fun fight as well. Ben Rothwell, last-minute fight against Chris Barnett. I forget who Ben Rothwell was supposed to fight, but they pulled out. Um, Court McGee and Claudio Silva on here. And... Yancey Medeiros hang out on the prelims here against Amir Hazovich. It's a fun fight card, guys. So, yeah. UFC Fight Night 188, UFC Vegas, whatever. I can't keep track of the way they're numbering these things. UFC Vegas 27? I don't know. Don't come here for facts, guys. You just come here for, like, alcohol-influenced opinions. You all know this. All right, so next week, hopefully, we'll have Jeff the Animal Wilson back. Remember, um, if you guys want to grab some uh, MMA on the Rocks merchandise, you can do so through our friends at Team Reaper, reaper1.co. As always, I'll put the uh, 
I'll put the links right in the show notes wherever you happen to be watching or listening to make it easy for you guys for you know anything you may want. I'll put the link for the t-shirt, for the sweatshirt, tank top, etc. Use the promo code MMAROCKS10, M-M-A-R-O-C-K-S-1-0. Save yourself 10% off, not just on MMA on the Rocks gear, on anything on the website. So if you want some training gear, MMA sparring gloves, some uh, training shorts, jiu-jitsu geese, some gear bags, they got you covered. High-quality stuff, great people, they're good to the fighters. So if you want to support fighters, you know, buy some gear through uh, Team Reaper. Reaper1.co. Use promo code MMARocks10. If you guys want to get a hold of Jeff the Animal Wilson, and we haven't seen him or heard from him in a few weeks, uh, so if you want to hear from him, check him out on social media, Animal underscore Wilson. Hopefully we'll get him back on the show next week. I'm going to be home next week for a change. Memorial Day weekend, different story. That's going to be a whole different mess. Hanging out with the wife's cousins for Memorial Day. we got to... Airbnb. I know I'm, I'm always uh, I'm always on the go, guys. I can't help it. <laughs> Mark Fellow is about to board a flight. Still checking out the show. Cheers, Mark. Have fun wherever you're going. Um. And yeah, so next week we'll be back. Uh, regular schedule. Memorial Day. Who knows? You know, I I could be on during the fights. The day after, three days after. You never know what you're gonna get, but. Whatever it is, please keep staying subscribed. Keep the comments coming. Keep the feedback coming. Keep the criticism coming. I can take criticism. I have thick skin, guys. It's very pale, but it's very thick. (laughs) That's the line I used on my wife when we first met. Anyway, (laughs) MMA on the Rocks on all social media platforms. Go to MMAontheRocks.com. You can send me an email. MMA on the rocks gmail.com. Any form of communication, I try to get back to everybody. I thank you all for tuning in. That's all I got. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.